0: totally different perspective? Ready for provocative conversation? Intriguing stories and inspiration? Then don't touch that dial. Welcome to Talk with Francesca. She'll give you something to talk about all week long. Now, here's Francesca.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Talk with Francesca. I'm Francesca Luca, your host, and I'm excited, as always, to be with you here today, but I need you to talk to me to let me know what you're thinking, whether you find the show useful, entertaining, riveting, or even a little sluggish. I want to know if there's a show suggestion you want to make, a question you have for a guest or for me, I'm here. All you got to do is jet me an email at info at com, or you can go right to my website, talkwithfrancesca.com, and you can fill out the contact form. You can also visit me on Facebook. I promise to get right back to you. And if you missed part of the show, you can hop on over to recent shows on my website, again, talkwithfrancesca.com, and you can listen there. And, of course, there are hundreds of episodes to listen to on iTunes, so you can listen to Talk with Francesca anytime, anywhere. So thanks for listening. This portion of Talk with Francesca is sponsored by Drone, Hitt and Hadas Law Firm. They are located at 50 Federal Street in Boston. When you're seeking legal counsel, call them at 617 377 Four three six seven. You can also visit them at drawinhit.com. You will no doubt be glad that you did. All right, we've got a lot to cover in a short period of time, so we're going to get going. The last thing Meredith Koch thought she'd be doing on her 25th birthday is fighting for her life. Just the day prior, she was in a horrific freak accident. An 850-pound piano crushed her body, sending her on a long road of rehab and surgeries. She suffered a fractured sternum and a burst fracture of her first lumbar vertebrae, resulting in paralysis from the waist down. While on this journey, she decided to live an adaptably abled life. She vowed to not allow her disability to stop her from enjoying the things in life she's passionate about. Now, as an adaptively abled advocate, Meredith conducts lectures on emergency care of spinal injuries, biomedical engineering of medical devices, and the healing capacity of adaptive sports, and it doesn't stop for her there. Welcome, Meredith, to talk with Francesca. It's a pleasure to have you. It's such a pleasure to be on your show. Thanks for inviting me on. So you stated in your TED Talk that after you learned that your spinal cord wasn't completely severed, you realized the only option going forward is to fight each and every day and not dwell on the why me's and the what ifs how how long did it take for you to come to this realization or this way of thinking i should say i think initially and i mean immediately
2: after i was hit by the piano and i'm playing on the ground um after i basically chose to fight to live um I realized that I could wiggle my fingers, and I knew that I'd broken my back and not my neck, and I was very, very grateful for that, and I knew exactly where I was. I was alert and oriented, and I had complete command of the situation, and that was the moment that I initially just knew that I was so blessed to be alive, but that if I was alive, then I needed to make the most out of what was to come. And then after I woke up in the ICU, and we spoke to my spinal surgeon, and he told us that somehow some way despite all the deformity of my spine and the vertebrae being shattered that my cord hadn't been severed I knew that I had to fight every day to the best of my ability each and every day and there was no room for negative energy there was no room for blame there was no room for uh, not giving the people who I was with it was an accident and so I just chose to not go through the you know, as you phrase it, the why and the what ifs. Mm-hmm. And instead to focus on what I needed to do each and every day. And, you know, whether that's trying to just sit up in bed and hold myself upright, Or if it's something bigger, like trying
1: to plan my return to work or trying to again. What an inspiration you are. Part of your mental struggle to accept your disability was due to fear of disabled stereotypes. How have the disabled stereotypes impacted you? I think I've gotten
2: lucky in that I haven't been actively discriminated against I haven't been yelled at on the streets of Boston I haven't had people outright object to me being in the operating room for my job but it took me a long time to realize that I'm very good at my job and I have the qualifications to do my job and I didn't need fully functioning legs to do my job and that doctors would respect me for my intelligence and not think differently because I'm in a wheelchair at work But it took a long time to get to that point and to be confident enough in who I am now as opposed to who I was before to embrace needing assistive devices, whether that be lower leg braces or crutches or wheelchair, and just always trying to be true to myself and to remember that my quality of life and what makes me happy is more important than what anyone thinks about me. And from the get go, it was just you know people. The ER doc said to me, "We're never gonna walk again." And then we were told that I wasn't gonna be able to drive with my legs. And I said, "If I can stand and I can walk, watch me. Mm -hmm. I don't. I'm like I don't say I don't take for an answer. I don't say I can't unless it's very clearly like I cannot lift cinder blocks anymore. That's an okay thing for me to say can't about." I can't change the batteries in my ceiling smoke detectors, but I refuse to say I can't drive or I can't cook independently. I just knew it was going to take multiple tries to get it right. And so to the public eye, some of those tries are painful looking, or it looks like I have no idea what I'm doing, or I fall on my wheelchair on the tee, but that's me striving to be able to improve my quality of life and do what makes me happy. And once I got to that point where my happiness was more important than what I thought other people were thinking about me, then I was able to kind of switch to just disproving any, any stereotype. And there's nothing I love more than someone who thinks that, like, they can't speak to me, that they need to speak in hushed voices or talk directly to my parents. And, you know, I interject and start advocating for myself, and then they have to do a double take. And that's a stereotype. And kind of I really challenged people in my TEDx talk to question their own biases or their preconceived notions of what people with disabilities are capable of doing. And I do a job that is very demanding intellectually and physically, and probably, you know, walking down the, if I'm walking or rolling down the street, you know, people aren't going to look at me and initially think, oh, she probably has a master's degree in mechanical engineering or blah, 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 because she's in a wheelchair. And that's the furthest thing from what anyone's mind should go to, but it was very surprising to me when I gave my TEDx talk and I started out in my wheelchair and I told the audience to close their eyes and walk them through some scenarios and then had them open them and I was standing. It was a very audible gasp in the audience mm. that people thought differently of me because I was standing instead of sitting before them and it proved my point and it proved that there is a stereotype and
1: the stereotype needs to be absolutely torn to pieces and just dis- discarded. Absolutely. How did you decide to begin training for swimming in the 2020 Olympics?
2: Uh, I kind of stumbled into it, to be perfectly honest. I did aquatic therapy at Spalding Rehab Hospital in Boston, and it was a huge part of my recovery. Um, it was where I first took my uh, unassisted steps. It was where I wasn't afraid to try things. It was where I first kind of felt like me again between the Aquatic therapy pool and trying um, adaptive cycling, those were the two times where I just burst out crying because I knew I was still me just because I was paralyzed didn't change who I was. And so from there, it became the only thing I could do at the gym by myself. You know, I couldn't get myself on a spin bike. I couldn't get on an elliptical, certainly couldn't run. Uh, Walking just into my apartment was enough of a workout. And so I started with just getting in the pool and it was like swim one length of the pool, take a couple minutes break. Then it got up to swim two lengths, swim four lengths. And before I knew it, I felt completely free. And it was where my paralysis didn't matter. It looked a little funky, I'm sure, to other people in the pool in terms of what my legs were or were not doing. But I felt completely free, completely unafraid. And I stumbled into a clinic that was run by the Challenge Athletes Foundation, which then led me to the Paralympic Sport Club of Boston, which then led me to Boston University Master Swim Team. And it's just evolved into my mental therapy, my physical therapy, my my sport of choice. It's how I've gotten stronger. I've been able to be completely infection free in terms of I was having infections like every two to three months and after I started swimming I was able to knock those down along with some other changes and just keep me healthy and keep me injury free and it's been absolutely amazing so I just really stumbled into it and discovered this new passion and through adaptive sports and the people I've met I discovered
1: Paralympic swimming and it's I haven't thought twice about my decision to make this my main sport you are quite an inspiration if you're just tuning in you're listening to talk with Francesco I'm speaking with Meredith Koch Meredith we do need to take a short break and hear from our sponsors listeners stay with us here we've got lots more to cover every one of us will need a lawyer at some point in our lives and if that point has already come for you you know you need a good one you need a qualified one, one who will defend your interest with exceptional knowledge and dedication. Luckily, I know where to find that lawyer. Whether your case involves real estate, employment, business law, or a governmental agency, David Hadass of drone, Hit, and Hadass is ready to help. With broad experience throughout the Boston area, David specializes in civil litigation and appellate law. He's been named a Massachusetts super lawyer and top business litigator for four consecutive years by Boston Magazine. David represents large and small businesses as well as individuals. Find him online at drone OneHit.com for more information to get started discussing your solution today, death. When you need legal representation, accept nothing less than the professional expertise of David Hadass of Draw and Hit and Hadass. If you're anything like me, your dog is no different than your child. That's when I can't take my fur baby with me, I bring him to Goodfellas Doggy Daycare at 20 Thresher Street right on Route 1 North in Saugus. They offer separate play areas for big and small dogs, a full-size saltwater swimming pool, and top-notch training from puppy to adult. Goodfellas Doggy Daycare. We're your family. And with them, it's personal. Visit GoodfellasDoggyDaycare.com today.
0: The new Cobblestone Cafe on Hanover Street in Boston brings casual, on-the-go American fare to the North End, serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Open daily at 7 a.m., Cobblestone Cafe offers burgers, barbecue, salads, fries, milkshakes, seafood, and the very popular Snickerdoodle iced coffee. Delivery and catering are also available. Cobblestone Cafe, 227 Hanover Street in Boston. For more information, call 857-263-8057 or visit them online at cobblestonecafene.com.
1: Located in Boston's North End holds one of our best-kept secrets, Antico Forno, ranked number 9 of the top 10 Italian restaurants around the world within the category of being one of the most authentic. With a welcoming family feel, it's hard to argue the experience you have when enjoying dinner at Antico Forno. Best known for their brick oven pizza, their world-class traditional cuisine does not fall far behind. Come enjoy dinner at Antico Forno and feel like part of the family. Open daily from 1130 a.m. until 10 p.m. Call us today at 617-723-6733 or visit us at AnticoFornoBoston.com.
0: Hey, this is James Woods, and you are listening to Talk with Francesca.
1: All right, we are back, and you are listening to Talk with Francesca, and I am speaking to Meredith Koch. She didn't think on her 25th birthday that she would be fighting for her life. Just the day uh, prior, she was in a horrific freak accident. An 850-pound piano crushed her body, sending her on a long road of rehab and surgeries, and we are talking about she's just an amazing, amazing inspiration. So welcome back, Meredith. Hey, so so what does it really entail to live your best life? Because I know you really it seems like you really focus on what gives you strength and, and how to live that best life. But, you know, really uh, give our listeners some sort of pointers how to live my best life or how do I do it? Uh, so <laughs> it's it's
2: I think first and foremost is realizing what really matters. Yeah. And immediately when I was on the ground, I was grateful to be alive and I knew because I had, I could wiggle my fingers that I didn't need to live my life. If I never walked and if I never could feel again, because that's where I started, it was going to be hard and it was gonna be a lot to learn, and a lot to adapt to that. I could live a happy life that way. And my first thought after that, or I should say my second thought then was, Oh my God, my parents, they're going to be heartbroken when they hear this, but they're gonna get in a car. They're gonna to drive to Vermont, which was five hours from where my parents were, Worst, probably six hours of their entire life. And just how grateful I was that I had lived and that I had chosen to live. And so I just keep that in my mind. In terms of, I keep my family really close to me. I pray on the good days. I pray on the bad days. And sometimes that is me saying, "Hey God, thank you for letting my legs hold me today." Um, and other days, it's you know, I need extra strength. I need to feel that that I've got an army behind me because this is getting really hard. I'm in a lot of pain, things are frustrating, they aren't going well, but knowing what those things that I can always fall back on and knowing that, you know, I I have an amazing care team at Spalding that's taking care of me. I got super lucky with the spinal surgeon that operated on me. I'm in the greatest city in terms of, I have adaptive sports and I have rehab and I have a job that's supportive of me. I can swim and I'm in a place where I have a garage that attaches to my house. So living my best life is really just remembering those things that are really important to me and knowing that there's a way for me to tap into something that's beyond what I can conceptualize for when the days get hard and when I need just a little extra strength, a little oomph to get me that extra hundred yards in PT, you know, as it was in the first couple of weeks after my accident, when I was relearning how to crawl and how to walk, you know, trying to figure out where that extra strength comes from. When I'm tired or when I have to give a speech and I don't feel well, or I have to go to a swim meet and my body is telling me no, but my mind saying, yes, like you can do this. You just got to tap down deeper. And so I just try to surround myself with people I love, people that give me energy. I eliminate stuff that takes energy away from me. And I don't mean like a Tai Chi sense. I mean, in a very physical, like anything that's draining to me, I just get rid of. Um, And I always have ice cream in my refrigerator and lots of tea
1: to choose In my cupboard. (laughs) Ice cream in your refrigerator. (laughs) Oh, sorry, in my freezer. Yeah, I know what you meant, though, but that's okay. (laughs) But but sometimes it's nice to be able to drink the ice cream when you're really looking for sugar. Uh, So what do you do for play? Uh, Swimming
2: sometimes is for play. Uh Um, I don't always swim in terms of, like, at practice. Um, Sometimes I just go swim for fun on my own. Um, I'll do pretty much any adaptive sport someone throws at me. I have tried adaptive cycling, which I love kayaking adaptive mountain biking um if i go home and visit my parents in connecticut i'll go sailing out in long island sound i tried uh soaring in september which was terrifyingly beautiful up in the franconia notch um that's kind of my first stop i guess would be adaptive sports of some sort i just love being active of any weight shape and form that that takes i love to bake i love to read adventure around hang out with friends go up and visit my nephew in New Hampshire. He just turned one. So it's a really fun age. Talk to my parents.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so what have you always had this type of an outlook on life? I mean, were you always this upbeat and positive and, you know, the, the glass half full rather than the glass half, half empty? Overall, I think so. Yeah, it sounds I high.
2: was always really energetic about what I was doing. And if I didn't like it, I made it very well known, like I hated playing classical music when I took piano lessons, ironic I know, but I loved like jazz music on my flute. So, you know, I made it pretty clearly known, but I was always, I think, an upbeat person. I think where my outlook on life came from, though, is I was a volunteer with emergency medical service ambulance organization down in Darien, Connecticut called Darien EMS Plus 53. And it's three ambulances that are staffed 24-7, 365 by high school teenagers. And the teenagers also run the organization in terms of, like, the president is a senior in high school. And then there's adults that are adult advisors. And we service the town of Darien, which is about 20 to 22,000 people. And it includes a stretch of I-95. And it's that is 911. Like, you call 911, we show up. And that showed me from a very early age what it meant to give back and how much you actually get from giving back. It showed me uh, what time management really looked like. It helped me prioritize what really mattered in life and that it wasn't, you know, you can have the fanciest car in the world, but if you drive it into a tree, you can still die. Um, Mm -hmm. I lost my first patient when I was 14 years old. Like I saw life change in an instant for patients. And so I knew from then you know, it kind of enhanced my thought process of really tell the people you love that you love them, savor each day, make the best that you can out of a bad situation. I just never expected it to be me that was the patient that would have my life change very much in an instant where I would make an active choice to not die. And it was the two thoughts that I had as the piano was coming towards me that actually saved my life. And I'm very grateful that I made that decision and that my brain went through that process. But I think my accident just really amped up my energy, my outlook on life. And it really reinforced what really is important. And it's not, you know, how high of heels you can wear in a nice dress. It's how you hold yourself. It's how kind you are to other people. And my patients, I think really sense that for me, that I really care about them and That I care about how they feel with their device and do they understand what's going on. And I talk to the family members about stuff because I understand what it's like to have something happen out of nowhere and to have your family be overwhelmed. So it's just really taken everything that I think I was raised to believe um, and just amplified it and made me just really want to live a life that's about Happiness and love and kindness and laughter.
1: Was the uh, was it challenging for you spiritually when this happened? Not initially. You know, I just, was so thankful could... to
2: be alive, uh-huh. but it wasn't until probably two or three months after my accident that I really started to, I don't want to say question my faith. It was more a struggle to understand it spiritually.
1: Mm, right.
2: Because people kept saying to me, well, everything happens for a reason.
1: Yeah. Right,
2: and I wanted to smack them across the face because then that was challenging everything I knew about God. And I mean, I'm Christian. Like, that's God is not a mean person. You like, he doesn't wish hurricanes on people. He doesn't wish people to get crushed by piano. You know, things are gonna happen. And as I started to process it, and I talked to some of the priests from my church in Connecticut, and talked to actually a girl who had a spinal cord injury. She was in the hospital at the same exact time as I was at Spalding. Um, And we didn't even connect until she was discharged. But little did we know, we had been using each other in our PT sessions to push ourselves and to kind of give us strength on the days that we were struggling. We'd see the other person fighting and we're like, well, if she's doing that, like, I got to fight too. Like, she's giving it her all. And so I've been able to have some of these faith questions and struggles and talk them out with her. But I really came to believe very strongly that. Everything does not happen for a reason. That is baloney. Things are going to happen, and God will give you the resources and the strength that you need if you're willing to ask for help and you're willing to accept other people reaching out to give you a handout. And when you focus on that aspect of it, of being very grateful for everything that's been given to you and what you do have as opposed to focusing on what you've lost and, you know, how much it sucks that there's horrific Mm -hmm. wheelchair accessibility in the city of Boston or somewhere says it's wheelchair accessible and then you can't get into the bathroom. You know, like instead of getting upset, you learn to just laugh
1: Mm -hmm. and you
2: try to educate and you just try to kind. And then that's when I start feeling like I'm making good come out of bad and that I'm spiritually processed what happened to me and trying to find what is like my new calling in life now that this has happened to me what can I do to really make the best
1: impact I can I'm so grateful for having you on talk with Francesca today I really am thank you so much Uh, if you're just tuning in you're listening to talk with Francesca we do need to take another short break we will be right back stay with us here every one of us will need a lawyer at some point in our lives and if that point has already come for you you know you need a good one you need a qualified one. One who will defend your interest with exceptional knowledge and dedication. Luckily, I know where to find that lawyer. Whether your case involves real estate, employment, business law, or a governmental agency, David Hadass of Drone, Hit and Hadass is ready to help. With broad experience throughout the Boston area, David specializes in civil litigation and appellate law. He's been named a Massachusetts super lawyer and top business litigator for four consecutive years by Boston Magazine. David represents large and small businesses as well as individuals. Find him online at Drone for more information to get started discussing your solution today. When you need legal representation, accept nothing less than the professional expertise of David Hadas of Drill and Pitts and Hadas. If you're anything like me, your dog is no different than your child. That's when I can't take my fur baby with me. I bring him to Goodfellows Doggy Daycare at 20 Thresher Street, right on Route 1 North in Saugus. They offer separate play areas for big and small dogs, a full-size saltwater swimming pool, and top-notch training from puppy to adult. Goodfellas Doggy Daycare. We're your family. And with them, it's personal. Visit GoodfellasDoggyDaycare.com today.
0: The new Cobblestone Cafe on Hanover Street in Boston brings casual, on-the-go American fare to the North End serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Open daily at 7 a.m., Cobblestone Cafe offers burgers, barbecue, salads, fries, milkshakes, seafood, and the very popular Snickerdoodle iced coffee. Delivery and catering are also available. Cobblestone Cafe, 227 Hanover Street in Boston. For more information, call 857-263-8057 or visit them online at cobblestonecafene.com.
1: Do you have chronic pain, neck, shoulder, or low back stiffness, headaches? Amanda King, licensed massage therapist, can help. Located in downtown Salem, Amanda has over 13 years of experience helping people with pain, injury, and stress. She can help you feel better, move better, relax, and enjoy your life. So call today to book your appointment at 617-461-7516 or learn more at com. Located in Boston's North End holds one of our best-kept secrets, Antico Forno, ranked number 9 of the top 10 Italian restaurants around the world within the category of being one of the most authentic. With a welcoming family feel, it's hard to argue the experience you have when enjoying dinner at Antico Forno. Best known for their brick oven pizza, their world-class traditional cuisine does not fall far behind. Come enjoy dinner at Antico Forno and feel like part of the family. Open daily from 11.30 a.m. until 10 p.m. Call us today at 617-723-6733 or visit us at AnticoFornoBoston.com.
0: Hey, this is James Woods, and you are listening to Talk with Francesca.
1: All right, we are back, and you are listening to Talk with Francesca, and I am speaking to an incredibly inspirational woman, Meredith Koch, a 850 pound piano fell on her and she's sharing with us her story and it is just you are amazing Meredith, you really are, I am just in com- complete <laughs> awe and um, I just I don't even know if I want to ask this question because I don't even want to bring any kind of negativity in but I'm just wondering, is there ever do you ever have down days? Oh absolutely <laughs> Okay, alright So I don't and- think you could go yeah. through something like this without having
2: them yeah. um, I think that there's different types of dandies I mean there are days that I'm in just a lot of pain and I have to call out of work and I'm literally like laying in bed or migrating from my bed to my couch and I'm just like fighting back tears and I'm just doing the best I can to you know feed myself and brush my hair but those aren't as difficult of days because then it's something that's tangible right like you know if you have a broken leg like yeah it sucks but you can kind of mentally deal with it and you're like great once the pain goes away i'll be fine i definitely do have days that i call reset days where mm-hmm. you, i just mm-hmm. get into a little bit of a funk and you just get into this little pit of like this sucks mm-hmm. and what i have trained myself to do is instead of get sucked into focusing on the suck mm, that downward spiral and starting to open up those questions that I refuse to go down of the why me's and the what ifs and, you know, how, how is this possible? Why, why am I the one that got paralyzed? I try to say, okay, let's just complain about it. I text my friends. I'll call my mom. Like, I will watch whatever sappy chick flick I want. You know, I will eat ice cream out of the carton, and then I say, put yourself to bed. And I wake up the next morning, and most of the time, I'm like, okay, today is a new day. We are done with the reset day. We are, You had your one day of your mini pity party. You cried. Great. Now get back on the horse. Get back in the pool. You know, go to work. Put on a smile. And my grandmother, my mom's mom, taught my mom this. My mom passed it on to me that, you know, some days are going to be hard, but almost every day can get better just by getting up and getting dressed and making your bed. And if you can accomplish those things, Uh then you can have an entirely different
1: mindset about the day. And your thoughts really do create your reality. That is true. Don't you think? It's very true. I think it's important to give yourself the opportunity to
2: feel the pain. And that was actually advice that one of the paramedics who treated me gave me. It was as we rolled onto the spinal cord injury floor at Spalding after a four and a half hours. Hour-long ambulance ride from Vermont down, in a very drug-induced state. I just started bawling when we hit the floor because it reality sunk in that I was not going home. This wasn't just some quick little hospital stay that I literally was going to have to change everything about my life. And and what was that like for you mentally? Oh, it was terrifying. I mm. mean, I was full out bawling, and that was really the first time I had cried since my accident.
1: Mm. I had I mean, I you were cried probably when I living was, on adrenaline. Prior to that.
2: Adrenaline and a lot of sleep. And we had like a constant stream of visitors when I was up at the University of Vermont Medical Center. And when I got to Swalding, it just, everything hit. And he said to me, this is not going to be easy, but you need to let yourself feel the pain. Celebrate the great days, but let yourself feel the pain because that will make the good days even better. And that will make it so that when you accomplish things, you'll know that you've accomplished it in a whole way and that you have fought through it and you fought to earn it as opposed to shoving it down and then having it come back to eat you later and so that's why i allow myself like you know my mini pity parties Mm -hmm. and then i get myself out of them and go on my merry way
1: you know when you said that you know things don't happen for a reason and you know people say that all the time and and i have to admit i said no i don't necessarily agree with that either but in listening to you i think well you know what you've been through, and what you can teach the world is—you know—you're just like a great, like disciple, right? You're just—you're you're able to really teach people to think differently. I mean, I have to admit—I mean, as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking, wow. You know, there are times when you know I can say the glass is more half empty, you know, and and it's just so—it's so nice to hear and refreshing to hear someone who who can so consistently do what you do because it is it can be challenging when you have those downtimes, and it can be easy to spiral right down and I I really think it's just great the way you're able to say okay I've had my pity party today I've licked my wounds and now I'm going to pick myself back up and not everyone can do that it takes a lot of practice uh there are definitely times that it's not
2: a one-day pity party uh, <laughs> that it turns into a, a couple days, but what I think is really important is to acknowledge the fact that you need to have those down times mm-hmm. to be able to feel the motions and to be able to process it because it it's not like breaking your foot or tearing your ACL and in eight months you're fine. I'm three and a half years out from my accident. And I am still doing rehab. I am still getting stronger. We are praying with every fiber in our bodies that my calves have started to wake up. And that's why I've been in pain for the last month. You know, it's like these little things that I just have to keep remembering. But at the same time, knowing that the pity parties are what let me feel the bad so I can celebrate the good. But... Trying to also process, like, why am I upset? Why am I frustrated? Like, what is challenging? Okay, so I'm having a hard time at work because I'm in pain every day, because I'm on crutches, because I don't want to use my wheelchair, because I think the doctors and patients are going to think less of me. So what can I do to try to address that? Okay, so now I've been in this account long enough that I think that they trust me. And I just got a new wheelchair. I'm going to try using my chair more so that I don't fall and I'm not in pain. Oh my God, my pain has gone away. No one is treating me any differently. My patients actually respond even better to me, I think in a way than I did on crutches. Cause I'm not like half falling in their room. Mm-hmm. Um, and realizing by allowing myself to ask the questions that some people don't want to ask, I can start to solve some of the problems, mm-hmm. but also I'm able to say, all right, And, you know, we got to figure out what the problem is. But once we figure that out, then it's an action plan. And that's what everything has been in my accident in terms of, you know, you got to crawl before you can learn how to walk. You also have to learn how to stand before you can learn how to walk. And you never think about that because we all learn to walk before we're 18 months old, before we have cognitive memories. And... But there's a step process to it, right? Mm -hmm. So I had a step process to when I flew for the first time and how do I get back to driving and how do I accomplish this and trying to challenge myself to do things I don't think I can do. And by no means do I do this by myself. I'm able to accomplish what I'm able to accomplish and keep the mindset that I have because of my awesome team of PTs, rehab specialists, doctors, nurses, specialists that take care of me and keep me healthy. I have my... Parents, my brother, my sister-in-law, now my nephew, I have my extended family, I have my friends, and each of them play a critical role in pulling me out or helping me try something, whether it's, I really want to try to mini-golf. Will you come with me? And my friend goes, you're on a walker and you got out of the hospital two weeks ago. And I said, and? <laughs> we will skip half the holes if we have to, but I want to try. <laughs> Good and I said, right, and yeah. I trust you. And he goes, okay. I will carry you if I need to. Like, I will stand behind you and balance you. I'm like, that's all I want. Like, I yeah. just want to try. Oh,
1: and so by amazing. having
2: an open mind and saying, maybe I'm going to look like an idiot, maybe this is going to be a horrible idea, but this is something that means something to me, then it allows me to, you know, have steps to get out of whatever I'm struggling through. What role
1: did adaptive sports play in your recovery? I think the better question is what role they play in my recovery. <laughs> okay, okay, go ahead, go ahead.
2: Because <laughs> they kind of touched every aspect of my recovery in terms of they recognized very early on in my inpatient rehab stay that I had been an athlete and that I needed to get back to sports to probably feel some sense of who I was before and to try to rebuild my identity. And the first moment they put me on that recumbent bike, I mean, I was sobbing half out of pain, half out of like, oh my God, my legs can actually pedal a recumbent trike. And just this overwhelming feeling of, I am still me. I am paralyzed. I can't walk. I have no idea if I need to go to the bathroom or not. Like, I don't know if I can drive yet, but I'm still me. And so that was where I started to rebuild my identity as an adaptively abled athlete. And starting Adaptive Sports, it got me into a network of people that I need to be surrounded by, people who have all forms of disabilities, not just spinal cord injuries, you know, amputations, multiple sclerosis, visual impairment, spina bifida, all of these things. And you surround yourself with people who choose to live their life to the fullest and beyond what they kind of thought Their life could be with two legs or two fully functioning legs, and it's just contagious to be around these people, but it also builds kind of a support network right off the bat. I made one of my closest friends through adaptive rock climbing, and she's the one I go to with questions of like, okay, so when my legs don't work and I'm in my wheelchair and I need to transfer to a bar top stool, how do I do that? And she teaches me how, or, you know, like, how do I get my chair into my car without having to take it apart? Well, my friend with cerebral palsy, I saw her pull, pull up into her truck and I was like, that's brilliant. So it's built these, this community. It's built my, like, social schedule. It's, you know, people that I know that if I'm in a fix, I can call and say, I know that you're, like, the therapeutic recreational therapist who worked with me. And, like, we only do adaptive sports together, but, like, I'm in the hospital and I need help, like, and she would come. So adaptive sports have touched every aspect of my recovery, and most importantly, it's made me really proud of who I am and what I'm able to accomplish. You have a heck of a lot
1: to be proud of. Meredith, thank you so much for joining us today on Talk with Francesca. I Just before we say goodbye, I would just love to know what you would like the listeners to take away from this interview. I think it's
2: really important to see people for who they are and what they're able to contribute to a situation and realizing that we can make environments physically inclusive to everyone of all ability levels. But if people aren't willing to open their minds to see the strength and resilience it takes to live an adaptively able life or to be able to, you know, take care of their mother that's at home, you know, everyone has their challenges Someone who has a physical disability, it's just very obvious what our, you know, main quote unquote struggle is. But if we can take the time to get to know someone and try to find some way to identify with them, we really can build a beautiful world that is just focused on kindness and inclusion as opposed to trying to create differences and making judgments about someone mm-hmm. that are completely not true. And that's the one thing I've learned from my accent is that it does not matter how many legs you have, how many arms you have, if you have a traumatic brain injury, if you can even speak or not, you can touch someone else's life and you have a reason to be in this world. And if we can focus on that, we can change so much. And I am just blessed, as weird as that word sounds and how I'm going to use it. I am blessed to live an adaptively abled life and to be a walking miracle and to be an incomplete paraplegic and to be a part of the spinal cord injury community and the adaptive sports community and to be able to link arms with Spalding Rehab Hospital and some of the other nonprofits that I'm a part of. Because I get to share how empowering this experience can be and try to help people not need to go through something that's traumatic or have something terrible happen to them but still be able to change how they view other people.
1: Meredith, thanks so much for being on Talk with Francesca today. It's really, truly been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure for me as well. Thank you so much. All right, you take care. All right, you've been listening to Talk with Francesca. I'm calling it a wrap. I hope you enjoyed the show. She was just so, so inspiring. What an amazing woman. Um, I'd love it if you would share the show with someone that you know Help spread the word to your friends on social media. I'm honored to be on this journey with you, and I'd love to hear from you, so drop me a note at info at talkwithfrancesca.com, and have a great week. See you next week, same time, same place.